0: Thank you for downloading this New Zealand sports radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand sports radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping
1: on New Zealand Sport Radio. And as our guest today, we've got Dean Kenny, former player for Autog- New Zealand Maori, former radio commentator for the Northland home game, the Mighty 10 Cup. Dean, thanks for joining
2: us. It's my pleasure, and to all the podcast listeners out there, uh, let's go and shoot this thing, eh? Hang oh, on,
0: but hang on, John, what, what no, you mean, a for, for the commentator? His current commentator, maybe,
1: maybe. Well, I don't know. We, we, I don't know what's happening with the radio commentary. Have you heard anything, mate? Have you heard anything about, then oh, Dean, whether or not they're going to uh, continue with radio commentary?
2: Well, that's the you know six million dollar question, there, John and Paul, only because of the fact that uh, they're trying to organise some sort of super uh, fifteen. New Zealand sort of 10 game league or 10 week um, sort mm-hmm. of setup. Um, after that, I'm not too sure, John. Uh, mm-hmm. Personally, I, I would like to see them all then be released to their fellow unions. Mm-hmm. And from there, um, get Sky to come on board and, and really, really ramp up um, the you know the. MPC mm-hmm. or you know the might of ten uh, rugby mm-hmm. because that would get a lot of people interested in the in the in their unions and they'd come to the games and right. Sky would have a monopoly right. especially rugby um, around the world because there's no no mm-hmm. rugby going to be played for another six to seven months. How has Lockdown been treating you? Um, it's been treating us very, 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 very well, actually. My, 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 wife, when she gets fed up, she goes into the other room or she goes down to the other deck, you know. Now it only takes about five minutes, so that's why <laughs> I'm allowed to do this podcast for the next hour because she doesn't want to be anywhere near me. Not really. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah, wise woman. Um, any <laughs> TV recommendations? Have you found anything on
2: Netflix or YouTube oh. or anything that you can recommend? I've gotta say, I've gotta say I'm absolutely sold on the the, the last stance. Um anything to do with Michael Jordan now, I mean I mean, that guy there is the goat of all goats or, on in any sport. Um and, mm-hmm. and I'm just transfixed on, on watching the last stance. Um and in fact I'm even watching all the replays and any of the, the, the finals in the past, you know, in the nineteen nineties. Mm-hmm. I i I'm, I'm absolutely Um, engrossed in watching Michael Jordan because that guy, I reckon if he was playing rugby, he would have been the greatest rugby player of all time because he was that determined to do well in anything that he did. He was such a competitor and and his Mm -hmm. worth ethic on and off the court, the way he Mm -hmm. dressed off the court, it's just a sheer professionalism. I've got Mm -hmm. to say there, John and Paul, that Mm -hmm. he is the goat of all goats.
1: Who reminded you of him in the
2: field of rugby with that same, like fierce, relentless pursuit of winning? Uh, that's a very good question. I, I, You know, there's quite a few, but I'd, I'd have to go back to, you know, people like uh, Sir Brian Lahore and Sir, Pine, uh, Sir Colin Meese, um only for the mere fact that, mm-hmm. you know, they transcended the the, the years um, so far ahead mm-hmm. of their time. Um, and, and mm-hmm. you know, for Brian Lahore to be called up uh, to the third test and, and the Lions after retiring and saying to his wife, "Hey, I'm, I'll, I'll catch you on Monday. I'm just going down to to Wellington to play the third test against the Lions." It's that sort of thing there that you know these guys, uh, you know they, they, these great right. men, actually put rugby on the map for, mm-hmm. for New Zealand and the way that they played under the Fred Allen era uh, with that great team. Mm-hmm. I still think that, that is. One of the greatest teams of all time was uh, the nineteen sixty-seven mm-hmm. through to nineteen seventy under Fred Allen. Um, that the way that they played mm-hmm. and the players that they had, and, and bearing in mind too, they also had to hold down jobs. Um, that, that those guys, that, mm-hmm. those gentlemen, actually preceded anything that goes before um, the current All Blacks. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah. Can you guys Thanks. hear me? Yeah. Can you get that ugly mud out of the front right frame there? <laughs>
1: I, I wish I could say that my opponents on the rugby field have seen this as much as I've seen
2: <laughs> that. <right? Yeah. laughs> the thing is, you're supposed to tackle not up above the shoulders, you're supposed to tackle below so they don't fend you in the face there, John.
1: I, I heard a um, very famous NFL player called De Sanders is reckoned to be one of the fastest players ever in uh, the NFL. Talk about playing against Bo Jackson, who was a legendary multi sport player, played both um, Major League Baseball and uh, football in the same uh, era, right? In the same, uh, when the seasons went overlapping. And he spoke about playing in the first time in college. And he said he made a break, and Bo Jackson took off. He burst through and he took off, and he was playing safety. And he came across to tackle him. And in his words, and he's no, he's no shortage of humility in Prime, which is his nickname. He says, Dion Sanders says, and I came up on him because I can fly. Right? He says, as I came up on both, blessed me. <laughs> he just put his head, he put his head on me and blessed me. Blessed my son and left me. <laughs> he took with it. <laughs> I've had that feeling coming off of the scrum. <laughs> Ed, yeah the eighth man take, come off um, just like you my son off you go. <laughs> So tell me you were talking about um, Sir Brian Lahore and uh, Sir Colin Meads. Yes. Did uh, Colin Meads approach
2: you to join the what was it eighty six Cavalier? But if you can just cast the mind back all the all the listeners, um what actually happened in nineteen eighty five, the, the, the All blacks um, at the time had um, under Andy Hayden and Andy Dalton had secretly organized this tour um, no no sorry I'll take that back the New Zealand American Football union were looking at sending a team over there in 1985 yes. however um, the government stepped in and, and the, the the tour was cancelled so in 1986 right. um, both in 85 and 86 the 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 um, there was a team called the New Zealand Emerging Players, and then, and then in 1986, um, the Cavaliers tour went ahead, and mm-hmm. uh, Sir so Colin Meads um, just just asked me um, in '85 and in '86 if I would be willing to um, go to South Africa if it did come off, and um, you know I'd be still in New Zealand, but I'll be as, as backup and. Believe it or not there, John, I suggest I would be uh, making myself available because um, Mm -hmm. if I can just cast my mind back to 1970, um, I was only uh, nine at that Mm -hmm. stage there. And uh, my dad used to wake Mm -hmm. me up and used to take me into Mm -hmm. bed. I used to kick mum out and she used to go into my bed. And um, I used to listen Mm -hmm. on the transistor radio to all the All Black games Mm -hmm. that were um, on on the transistor radio. And mm-hmm. um, I never missed a game. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was just then that I fell in love with South Africa. And in fact, I, mm-hmm. I've still got the, um, the post-tour pamphlet mm-hmm. of all the games and uh, you know the results and, and the mm-hmm. players and, and also all the off stuff there. And I've still got mm-hmm. that to this day. And mm-hmm. that all-black team against South Africa um, mm-hmm. cemented it in my in my psyche that I always wanted to, if I ever became an All Black, I always wanted to play against South Africa. And, um, and that's why I, I did not want to turn down the opportunity to play South Africa in South Africa, whether it be with the Cavaliers mm-hmm. or with, whether it be with a sanctioned tour um, by the NZRFU. Mm-hmm. It was always what I wanted to do. And, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. um, Dave Loveridge got injured. Um, I think it was in the second test, and they didn't have enough time to fly anybody over there, mm-hmm. so they brought in um, Ian Stevens, um, who was currently in the towel, and Ian Stevens, commonly mm-hmm. known as Nectar, nickname, um, he sat on the bench. Um, so uh, if, if it had happened earlier, I would, I would have definitely gone. Um, but in hindsight, when I look forward, um, after that day, I don't think it would have been an all black. There you go. Such a great story. And, 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 and But having said that there, um, John, just to mention about the All Blacks again Paul, uh, Paul. And, and, and North South Africa, um, I was just turned 20 and the 1981 tour came to New Zealand and I was fortunate enough to play my first home game for Otago in Carisbrook against the 81 Springboks. And that has always been a fond memory of mine. Uh, and I made some very good friends on uh this on from the South Africans on that tour too. can I ask you the results of that eighty six
1: Cavaliers tour, the schism that resulted in New Zealand rugby, uh how long did it take for that for those
2: bridges to to uh prepared? I, I I I think if it wasn't for the World Cup in '87, uh, John, I don't, I don't think um, those bridges would have been he- uh, mended as quickly um, as they had. Because what the um, the '87 World Cup did was um, it, uh, it it actually en- en- engaged up uh, the New Zealand public, um, you know, and and they they actually forgot about what happened in '86. So. I think if it wasn't for the '87 World Cup in New Zealand and in Australia, I think that that the and it's been well documented. Um, and I, I don't know if you remember back um, in November with the World Cup last year, they had this um, documentary, and it was uh, more about David Kirk and and that actual rift that actually happened with um, mm. between David Kirk and and quite a few of the senior players that went on that Cavaliers tour. Mm. And and I've got to say. Um, it did happen, however, the good thing was we were able to move on pretty quickly with um, the 87 World Cup and I think it was all forgotten really about the Cavaliers Tour.
0: Dean, did you find that because you were kind of a reserve that wasn't used to the Cavalier Tour, did you manage to kind of bridge both both camps? Because A, the people on the Cavaliers Tour knew you were kind of a reserve, but the people who, who didn't go or anti it, you didn't go. So did, were you kind of... Do you manage to bridge that, that both crowds?
2: The, the, the funny thing is, Paul, when, when, when you look back at the 86 yeah. the Cavaliers Tour, the two players that didn't go but were selected, um, John Kerwin and, and David Kirk, they're the ones that actually um, all the spotlight was on. And so oh. people like myself didn't really, um, you know, we weren't really frowned upon. Yep. Mm. Um, even though you know we're in the baby blacks, um, and also mm. in the um, the team uh, that played in '86 against the Australians and then went on further on to the the French tour, uh, we we really weren't um, where the, the the real major sort of um, beef was between the, the Cavalier players on the '86 tour of France and mm. the ones that stayed home um, like mm-hmm. David Kirk and, and John Cohen. More so, David mm. Kirk. However, the, the great thing is on that tour of, of France, we were able to um, string some pretty good results together until we got mm-hmm. to Nantes. However, that was taken out of our hands by the, the, the French Federation and, and, mm. um, and it's all been well documented. But the great thing, um, there was still a bit of a riff when you got on the bus in the 86 tour with, you know, the majority mm. of the Cavaliers players were down the back of the bus and Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the, the mm-hmm. um, David Kirk and a few of the other boys were down the front of the bus, and and the newbies on the, on the tour, um, mm-hmm. uh, myself included, John Gallagher, um, Marty Berry yeah, all of us were kind of like in the middle mm-hmm. of the bus, so so there, there was this sort <laughs> of you know about talking over us all the time on the bus, not up, <laughs> to us, up. yeah, and and and, and, and so. But but having said that, it was a I, I mean I've, I've got to say um, the other thing too is when they removed David Kirk from the captaincy after the '86 um, Australian uh, loss of the mm-hmm. Blister like Cup, then they handed it to Jock Hobbs. I, I I think that was a very shrewd move on behalf mm-hmm. of um, the, the, the the selectors to Brian LaHore, mm-hmm. to Colin Meads and Stan Hill to to mm-hmm. to take it away from David Kirk because of what the, all the pressure from the Cavaliers that were placed on David Kirk through the Australian t- um, tour of New Zealand. I, I think that was a very good move mm-hmm. for Jock Hobbs. And, and, and I've got to say, Jock Hobbs was such a diplomat on that tour that he was able to be the one to um, you know, bridge that gap. And I, and I think that's, that was the great, um, um, a, a great sort of um, gap filler was having Jock Hobbs
0: mm-hmm. there. Just, just, one more. Before I hand you back to John. Um, sure. The you've 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 obviously played in a lot of different environments. Uh, does anything beat winning to paper over cracks in the in the dressing room? <laughs> is it does does just stringing results together is always a that, that, that's always a good way of fixing those sort of things.
2: Um, it, it is. And however, however, um, you could still sense after we won our games in France, um, leading up to the last game there, that you know, the old court sessions that we used to have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the old court sessions. Um, they, they were there to kind of like create um, that sort of uh, bond. Um, mm-hmm. But you could still see, you know, um, quite a bit of tension at times mm-hmm. um, in those court sessions. So uh, as I say, I, I think um, throughout the tour, there were, there, there, there was some underlying tension. Mm-hmm. Um, however, however, um, going forward to the change of selectors <laughs> in '87 for the World Cup and having the World Cup um, in New Zealand, it mm-hmm. actually allowed every a lot of those tensions to um, disperse. Mm-hmm. While at the same time, it brought um, the country together. I believe.
0: But you, you've also played teams like Otago and your school teams. And there's the the, 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 the dressing room in general is, is I guess is what I'm talking about is, is a is is always much happier isn't it when you when you when you do manage to string some wins together and that's always mm. a better place to a better place to be in when or, or or if you had losing teams you've been in where actually the dressing room's been a really great place to be just because you're all playing for each other and you know that you're trying your best anyway.
2: It, it it's funny you should say that because I was fortunate enough but in um Thomas the North in the festive of Thing for those three years. Um, we had a, um, who I still rate as one of the, 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 the best coaches I've ever had, and his name was Ian Cahoon. And, and, and he, um, you know, he he instilled this winning at all costs, but it was more um, making sure that uh, when you played, and or more so when you trained, that everything was precision. And, mm-hmm. and he didn't leave any stone unturned. If it meant you had to improve, and and he he would say, okay, you got to work on this and work on that, and and I was fortunate enough, you know, with that great team of for three years with Palmy Boys under Ian, that I was able to kind of like take that with me and 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 yeah. try and instil that and in, and in, in, um, how I played, whether it be with Southern down in Dunedin or mm-hmm. Otago um, mm-hmm. or even um, trial teams or. Um, Town and country in, in Otago, any 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 sort of team that I was with, I, I really wanted to make sure that my my level was not drawn down to the loss of the lowest denominator. Mm. I was always trying to make sure that, you know, I was um, training as hard as I could and, and as well as I could, mm. and 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 make those players down here try and aspire to come and and, and play um, with me, and to that there. I was fortunate enough then at Southern to have Laurie Mays as my coach for Southern. And, um, yeah, he was a stickler for, um, I mean, he, he would go into a game and he would know every sort of nuance that the other team had. And, and he would actually organize that or pick the team and he would create a game plan that would take that. So, you know, that Southern team, for those three years, um, we went on a 43-game winning winning streak. Um, mm-hmm. And they won three um, Premiership Championships down there in Dunedin. And then, he then became coach in 1983. And, you, and you've got to understand, in 1982, Otago nearly went down. So, when Laurie came on, he had to do a whole rebuilding. And the first thing he did was, and you've got to bear in mind, Otago in those days there weren't rated at all. We didn't have any All Blacks. We we went just um, you know everybody kind of like laughed at us and and mm-hmm. so so when we started when you said about um, losing we lost a lot of games but at the same time um, even though the dressing room after the loss was you know pretty uh, sombre we, mm-hmm. we, we we got together and 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 we were able to kind of like we didn't shift any blame onto anybody. We ex- we 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 yes. accepted it collectively, and mm. I I just found Laurie was um, very good at bringing um, a nucleus of the players um, together, mm. and and mm. and with that there towards the end of the eighties, we, we became quite formidable. You know, we were always in mm. the top four in the the, the so-called NPC then, mm. and. But what actually got us together, Paul and John, was the the, the camaraderie was the, the the court sessions. And I know a lot of people frown upon you know alcohol and all that sort of stuff there, but that mm-hmm. was you got to understand we didn't drink throughout the week. We the only time that we had a beer mm-hmm. was on Saturday night, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and so so we didn't abuse the drinking mm-hmm. sort of privilege. Mm-hmm. What we did was we we created a great camaraderie and. And I don't know if you if you know these statistics, but in um, towards the end of the 80s, um, like 88, 89, 1991, uh, there were something like 10 to 12 um, centurions in, in the Otago team, and, and and that just goes to show how Laurie had built those players uh, to a, to um, a situation where we were revered. And in 1991, they actually won the the NPC mm-hmm. for the first time, and 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 that's that's all credit okay. to ha- how that the, the taking the losses and how we could turn that around to build a team mm. spirit, and then and then from mm. there it just um, showed mm. on the field after that. Mm. Mm. Now you you made your debut in '81, right, for Otago? That's exactly right, John. Right, and you played in the game against the Springboks on the '81 demo tour. I, I, I did, and and I've got to say, John, when I was selected, uh, and believe it or not, that was my first. Even though it was my fourth game, it was my first game on Carisbrook, and mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I talk about because the game was on the Tuesday because it was before the first test um, in Christchurch, mm-hmm. and and when I was named in the team, um, mm-hmm. I didn't sleep for two days. <laughs> Because did, of those memories I, I, I so from
1: nervous. 1970. I, I so, excuse me. Because of those memories from 1970. Yeah, you're Playing against the Springboks.
2: Oh, who, who I, who I call as an equal to the All Blacks. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. I've got to say, I, it's the only, um, only nation really that, that I, I fell in love with with regard to rugby, and, and to mm-hmm. be named in the team to play against the 81 Springboks, regardless mm-hmm. of what happened off the field. Um, I, 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 I've, I'll tell you a funny story, about that um, I, I, as we're going into the tunnel, you know, mm-hmm. don't forget I had my number ones on and, and mm-hmm. I had to have another shirt brought in by my dad who was in the mm-hmm. uh, police squads there at the time because the one I had, I was just sweating buckets because mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a real, real shitty day. Eh? It was pissing down with rain. The rain was coming in sideways and it was minus 10 degrees and I'm loving it. And here's all the Springboks um, standing in the in the tunnel, and, and so I walk in, and the first thing I see is Billy the Vissers and um, Henny Becker. <laughs> These and are not one, small one, individuals. One, one seven foot ten, and the one seven foot eleven. And and, and 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 so so I go up, and, and and I'm absolutely packing myself, and so I I nestle in between them, and I and I and I look up, and I think I have got a crick in my neck actually, because I looked up, yeah. and I said. Great day for 40, in boys? And then turned yeah. around and quickly rushed back into the uh, changing room because I, I'm yeah. sure that they are going to say, bam, bang me on the top of the head and make me uh, five foot. Mm. Uh, instead of five foot ten, about four foot ten.
1: Mm. I must you say that uh, um, for, for, for the listeners, Henny Becker in South Africa is one of the legendary large fellas that have played for South Africa with legend, legendary large hands as well. So uh, I can imagine it's your first sight of of, of the springboks. Uh, <laughs> must <have>
2: be <laughs> well. We, the 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 funny thing was, uh, John. Um, the 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 day was that wet that if it had been a fine day, we would have got our butts handed to us. I tell that now. And uh, my my, mm-hmm. um, my mm-hmm. father was in the police at the time, and he was in control of uh, one of the squads. Um, not the infamous red, blue, or whatever colour. He was just uh, one of the squads. And, and his, on that day, mm-hmm. his squad was um, designed to patrol the, 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 part of the, the other part of the field so nobody could come on. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, my dad was standing down the Rose Stand End. And, and um, next thing you know, dad's the only policeman watching the game because I was playing, obviously. And uh, the rest of the police were facing the stand. Anyway, dad gets a call 20 minutes before the the game starts. And down the scoreboard end, um, there's about 25 protesters. Yes. And so so dad told me, he said, right. So he went up there and he says, you protesters, get out of here. My son's playing today. I don't want to miss a minute. So get the hell out of here and we'll catch up on Christchurch. So they left. (laughs) <laughs> and then he went <laughs> he went back and yeah. he stood there and it was quite yeah. funny in the in, in the first um believe it or not Otago were up uh, i think it was 13, 13 nil 10 yeah. minutes into the game we we scored a try right below my dad's feet and um don cameron who was a reporter at the time he he wrote it in his in his book about the tour mm-hmm. and 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 uh he ended up um, throwing his helmet in the air. And Don Cameron Mm -hmm. actually reported that um, in in, in his book about how Sergeant Kenny uh, threw his helmet in the air watching his uh, son's team score the try Mm -hmm. at his feet. What was the the final score? I think it was 1713. And and, and I've got to say, Mm -hmm. it's one of those sort of things that you guys were the luckiest mothers on earth because... (laughs) Because... (laughs) There, there, there's a there's a thing um that if if the ball hits the um flag at the top of the goal post, it's counted as over. hmm So anyway, um Errol Tobias, um the, the, mm-hmm. the um black first five, um mm-hmm. he he did a, a penalty shot and it hit the mm-hmm. upright, um hit the um at that stage they had a big blue pot at the top. It hit the blue pot and it dropped down in the end zone. So we we walk back to halfway. Next thing you know, Ray Moore comes flying through, dives on the ball, and he gets given the try. Mm-hmm. And we went, Oh no, 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 no. And the referee after the game yes. says, You know what, your guys are right. So anyway, you, so you got six lucky points there. And then um <laughs> just before just before the just before the end of the game, old yes. um Vinar Klassen yes. um did the crab crawl on his hands and knees right. with the ball for about yeah. 25 metres. Yeah. And he put the ball over the line and he got given yeah. the try. And and, and yeah. it was called rabbitine in our days, but he was yes. given the try. And so they ended up um, getting those uh, um, six points there and they, they, they won. It was 13-11 at that stage there, so you won the game yeah. 17-13. Well,
1: just to talk about how unlucky you guys were, the only reason that Van Klassen was playing in that game was because... The first test was on the Saturday, and he had been dropped, the tour captain. And he had been dropped because the previous Saturday, he'd been pictured after beating Wellington. He'd been pictured in the Jacuzzi with Errol Tobias, who was the only non-white player on that tour both of them sitting in the jacuzzi in the change room, you know, the soaker, whatever it was, with glasses of champagne. And after that picture of the white springbok captain, the member of the of apartheid then, was splashed all over the uh, national party, apartheid era minister, a secret quasi-Nazi. And he called him up and Vanden Christen says in his book, the day before this test, the day before the game that you played in, and he was told to go practice with the B squad,
2: the midweek team. It, it, it's funny to say that there, um, John, to, to, to bring that up because um, I, I, I actually became... And uh, so he was dropped for the first test. That's right. And, and, and it, was, it was funny because uh, I was just going to say I became close friends with uh, Bernard Klaassen immediately after the game. Um, mm-hmm. m- m- in fact, um, we were up the top of the Southern Cross Hotel and the boys had had a pretty rough time on the tour up until then. And they weren't allowed to go out and they weren't allowed to have any parties or anything like that. or meet the Kiwis or any, any, anybody by that stage there. So next thing you know, um, after the game, Mm -hmm. I I said, I said to Bernard Klaassen, look, my dad said that they're having a, uh, they're having a buddy bit of a shindag down at uh, the Prince of Wales and the red squad's going to be there. The blue squad's going to be there. And there's going to be no protesters because, uh, they were all shipped up to Christchurch. And I said, So do you wanna to go to a party? And that was on the <laughs> Tuesday night after the after the yeah. game, you see. So next thing you know, the wood went out from Vanard Class and you see, and, and, and we're having a few beers and, and next thing you get um uh divine sifant thing. Uh yeah. Who is He's very pina. small. Yes, yes, he yes, on right? is time. Uh, yeah, uh, and and um pina Yes, um, Danny Cheba. Uh, okay, so let me just
1: let's set the call friends-
2: scene. Dan- Dylan Surfontaine starting
1: number nine uh, on that tour for the Tests. Casey yes. Pina, father of Ruan Pina, who yep. some of you, uh, some of the listeners may remember playing for the Springbok. Yes, but he played fullback, first choice fullback on that tour. And yep. you said who is the other one?
0: Danny Cheba, legendary, yep. um,
1: legendary centre. Um, yeah. And uh, Willie du uh, Billy Duplessis, uh, one of the Duplessis brothers. So he would be playing centre or wing, right? Second five? Second five,
2: yeah. Yeah, and and um, then Bernard Klaassen. So mm-hmm. next thing you know, I'm in the waiters or the services um, lift, and there are these boys from South Africa in the, in the lift with me, and I've got the thumbs up. Meanwhile, my dad had got the paddy wagon, and... Gone down to the, and because I'd find up the nurses' home to see if they wanted to kind of like uh, meet some of the springboks. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and next, next thing you know, next thing you know the, one of the nurses says, Hell yeah. So next thing you know, my dad. My you're, trying dad to be, you're trying to be hospitable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> next anyway, you know, dad gets the paddy wagon, goes down and there, fetches, fetches the picks nurses, up, picks up 20 nurses. Next thing you know, I'm, we're walking down we're, we're walking down Princess Street, and there's and there's nobody on the streets, right? And here's these six Springboks and myself walking down, and we go into the Prince of Wales, and there's this party 20 nurses. coming. and there these twenty nurses, and then then uh, Bernard yeah. Clasen and 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 the Springboks lads who are in, um, you know playing playing clothes, obviously, and 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 next you know um, yeah um yeah. around about about eleven o'clock twelve o'clock. I'd had a skin full, so I decided, oh, I'll, I'll just leave these boys to it. Yeah. yeah, that, that. yeah. And um, anyway, the, the, what you said about um, what happened with the Tobias and uh, Vinay Klassen in the in the pool, the mm. spa pool. Um, ben, yeah, yeah. I, I I went up to the first test, and and mm-hmm. the thing that struck me was, out of those six that came with me to the mm-hmm. uh, Prince Prince Wales, the only one that didn't mm-hmm. play. Was mm-hmm. Vanak yeah And so as I'm walking to my excuse me, to my seat, I, I who should turn up in his in his civvies. Uh, sorry, in his number ones was um Vanak Carson. And I says, Holy Mackles mate. I'm sorry if I got you into trouble. And he goes, You you bastard. You left me out in the lurch there. We're all bloody out there on the thing. And then next thing you know, I had to get back to the hotel and you know, I had to leave all these nurses behind and all this stuff there. And he was the only one. <laughs> and he, and he, he was the only one that was dropped out of those six and I, and I said to him, uh, I think there's a little bit more going on than that there and, and, and mm. he, he, he couldn't answer that there um, mm. but I, I, that, that was one of my everlasting things and mm. I've got to say, um, I, I, I have an immense respect for that uh, for those guys on that turf, for what they were put through, but having mm. said that they're one penalty away from during the series, mm. and for mm. what they went through, I don't think any other team would have been able to do it mm. apart from that 81 Sportbuck mm. team.
1: Well, uh, I know this is, and this is just a little sidetrack, that the the tour itself is quite a pivotal moment in New Zealand history, and many documentaries and books have been written about it. But I would so love to um, be involved and produce. Anybody here who wants to have another look at that, that era, and do something where we bring in the story from the Springbok side, what actually occurred, and um, what they were going through, because after what, especially after what happened to Van and Clausten, they felt abandoned by their own uh, union. And those were the days, of course, before email, uh, texts, uh, even faxes, et cetera. So they had no idea that the people of South Africa were supporting them, they felt that they were under siege in New Zealand and abandoned by their own people. So, um, yeah, it was a very, very tough time for them. I'd love to do something where we can incorporate what
2: was happening in New Zealand. Yeah, um, the, the, mm. just speaking to some of the Springboks, even though they, they weren't staying in hotels, the the, the mm. hospitality that was shown by the unions and, and clubs alike, I mean, there's, a, there's that great story about- And the nurses, and- don't forget the nurses. <laughs> Very accommodating, they were, they, 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 say, very accommodating ladies. They were. I'm going to say they very accommodating ladies. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> but the, the other great thing too is, you know even though they were staying <laughs> that they weren't staying in hotels, I was just going to say that the great story of, of down in Southland how they stayed in the squash courts, and and they knew that they were so safe there. I mean that you know they were so looked after. Um, with mutton birds mm-hmm. and oysters, and, and they, they were safe mm-hmm. as houses down there, um, living in, in the at the squash courts, and yeah. the, the the hospitality and the, the great thing that the the tour did it didn't isolate the Springboks uh, by putting them in hotels. When they when they went out to the unions, they actually were embraced by a lot of the a lot of the people, a lot of the locals. And and, and and that's why um, what was um, purported by the, um, the the media on TV and also mm-hmm. stuff there, you, 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 that's not that's that that is so slanted in one direction that you know I, I, I believe that what the, the the Springboks and how well they play but also the way mm-hmm. that they embrace the, the, the locals by um, being with them I've, I've got to say um, you know you couldn't help but fall in love with, with, with that team having said that there there were certain people in that springbok team that <laughs> I, 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 I wouldn't even want to be in the same lift with and and one was <laughs> um the the, the both of boys um mm-hmm. and the other one was the the um i'm just trying to think of the the actual um they the nest? Uh who 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 was the, the white um the gentleman who uh, was kind of like the coach or he was the head honcho. Yeah, that's the manager.
1: Yeah, that's the guy who that's the guy who um got the phone call and dropped he dropped Van Clarsen. I forget his name.
0: But the am um, the, the manager well, good. I'm pleased you did. The manager was Johan Klaassen. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, Um, yeah. um, um Nelly, Johan Smith. Nelly was
1: Smith. the coach. Nelly um, Smith was from the Free State. Nelly yeah. Smith was still coaching into the 2000s. Uh, he was coaching three states in the Curry Cup. So, um,
2: legendary figure. But it wasn't Nelly Smith who dropped him. It was the, the manager that dropped those. Yeah. And, 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 and he, he, um, he, he was a nasty piece of work, that guy. And um, you, could, you could sense that. And, and in that first test, they actually named um, Darius Botha on the wing. Mm-hmm. And that didn't go too well with the, with, uh, the rest of the players because you know, he, he knew that um, uh, the manager and Nars Botha had colluded in, yeah. And, and, yeah. and picking Darius. And that didn't sit too well. But you take those three out of the tour, I've got to say, you know, you, know, you had mm-hmm. um, Mormon in there. Um, yeah, <laughs> Fifi Vandermeer. Der I'll tell you a funny story about Fifi Van Der In fact, it's still imprinted in um, the Carisbrook uh, ground um, yes. he, he came running up the he got a tap and he came running out the field with the ball and and um the late Kenny blocks went around the ankles and, and and tackled him. And this guy went mm-hmm. up in the air and he came down and he left this crater in the ground. <laughs> yeah. He was that big, he was something like eighteen, nineteen stone. He was a monster. And he left this big crater in the in the in the pit. And I think it's still there yeah. actually.
0: He's, so, so looking yeah,
2: looking at the he is,
0: looking at the stats on, on wikipedia he's 130 kgs <laughs> yeah
1: carry on. no that's wrong no 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 i'm sorry uh, i can correct that i can correct that he is the heaviest player to ever play for the Springboks, and at in one test he weighed between 145 and 150 kilogram so <laughs> so i remember that test when they listed when he came out he's playing um parted and when he came out um Imagine propping against somebody who's 145
2: kgs plus. He's uh, yeah, no, an absolute monster. How about Ray O'Connell, <laughs> the Otago tight, uh, loose head? And he was yes. tight head, and yes. Ray was 15 stone piss wet through.
0: So, I mean, give, give people an idea. I mean, obviously, nowadays players are much bigger and, and, and things. To give an idea, he, he's on <laughs> he's rated at 130. John said he was bigger than that. The next biggest player is a lock at 113. I mean, he's 17 kgs heavier than anybody else on that team. Yeah, a monster. Mm
1: -hmm. That is an absolute giant of a man. Now, we have to touch something. I cannot have any kind of journalistic integrity if I do not ask you about the Battle of Nantes. Mm -hmm. Right? So, to lay the scene for some of the millennials, one of the most famous test matches in the history of the All Blacks, the final test, it was the final test, right? On that tour. Uh, well, yeah, it was the second test, yeah. Second test against the French. And the French yeah. decided, um, a buck Shelford, legendary figure in all-black rugby, uh, the French decided that if they don't win the test, they're going to win the fight. And they proceeded to indulge in all sorts of skullduggery and legendary moment at half time Buck Shelford comes in to the change room and he's been wrecked so badly that his the inside of his scrotum is on the outside right now can you confirm or deny yeah.
2: this legend uh, no I can definitely confirm that there but at half time I didn't know what was going on um, yeah. but after the game you know John gallagher was sitting I think to the right of me and I think it was Kipper and I were on the bench that day, and yes. um, we're sitting there. And next thing you know, Buck missing a couple of teeth, and you know well, he's, he's a bit from the game. Out. Yeah, because you got a kick in the, in the in twenty minutes into the game, and he got concussed. Um, and, he, and he continued on playing um, as as any warrior um, of his stature would do. And 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 at halftime. Um, he, he um, the doc says, Look, you you can't keep playing and he says, No, I'm gonna keep going and and then you know that when he came off with something like twenty minutes to go, you know he must have been in a lot of pain, John. I mean yeah, you know, he he he, he was you yeah. know after the game was sitting opposite him and there and, and next thing you know, you had the towel wrapped around him mm-hmm. and um, um, another towel over hanging it while the doctor went away and then to get the, the sutures and some mm-hmm. swabs and stuff like this. So um, next thing you know, um, it was too big an, uh, um, of, a, of an operation for him there, but at the time when he took his, um, took the towel away, this white thing just fell out, hanging by a piece of string. And, and, mm-hmm. and Kipper and I are kind of like looking side by like, eh. and, <laughs> and Kipper, Kipper, goes, Kipper goes to the dock and says, is that what I think it is? And the doctor goes, "Yeah, this is uh, testicle hanging out of his scrotum." Well, I left and I went into the toilet, yeah, bathed, yeah. and 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 Kipper's just shaking his head. That he said, "That ain't right." So they then um, kind of like packed it all up, and then they took him to the hospital and um, proceeded to give him—I uh, can't remember—I think it's something like 25 stitches or 35 stitches in, the, in his mm. um, scrotum, mm. and. And, and, and the, the thing was, you know, the, the guy um, never, ever complained. But I've got to say, that whole tour um, leading up to that last test, the, the, the French, um, in those days there, and, and, and what a lot of uh, the millennials don't understand there, John and Paul, is the fact that when you went on those tours there, you only had 26 players. You didn't? And then your entourage was a coach, which was the Brian um, the manager, uh, which was Richie Guy. You had the doc, you had um, the physio, and that was it pretty much. And so th- that that was the team. So when somebody got uh, somebody that was like in a position like halfback or hooker, mm-hmm. you're pretty much on the bench every game. So we only had um, ten, I'll oh, say eleven reserves to play the next game, or fresh guys to play the next game. Mm. And so and in those days there too, you only allowed four reserves. So you're only allowed to get on the pitch if somebody was seriously injured. And you know, not like today, you know, you get some guy mm. getting subbed with two minutes to mm. go and they get a cap. These 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 yep. guys here, in those days there, we had to have mm. a prop that could cover both sides. We had to have a hooker, then we had to have a Lucy, and then we had to have mm. four hang mm-hmm. on I I, I come. I know it was only four reserves, and then we had to have a half-back and then we had to have a back uh, reserve yeah. that could cover quite a few positions. And so, we're always, um, yeah. yes, yeah, you know, on on the bench. And and and, and the, the sad thing, the French knew this, so they, from game one right through to the uh, to that last test, yeah. were stacking the teams. We're stacking the teams to soften, yeah. yes. the the the, the abs, and the right. French players. From the 86, um, from, from 85, 84, that were still playing, but they weren't going to be in the uh, um, French team, they mm-hmm. were picked in the selection team to soften us up. And there's been mm-hmm. some really, really hard case stories about the, the skullduggery. But having said that, a lot of those blacks didn't back down. I mean, the, the, the guy that sticks in my mind is Cowboy Shaw, the French absolutely respected um, mm. Cowboy Shaw, but I tell mm. you what, he was the hard man. And anybody, see, he should have been playing against mm. the French in that non-test because he would have looked after Buck. Mm. He would have just stood there and clocked whether it be Champ mm. or Rodriguez or mm. you know, mm. um, whoever else was playing in that team. He wouldn't have stood for it. Mm. But they, they, they didn't pick um, Mark Shaw for mm. some particular reason and, and, and um, that's that's what happened
0: yeah, So just, just uh, to give people an idea as to kind of what yeah. you're talking about that so you, you started on the tour against a French 15 on the 21st of October. five days later you're playing selection de Sant on the 26th two days later mm. you're playing a French 15 again on the 28th of October. First of first November so what that's about three days later playing another, another game against raison Lou the Cote de basque selection three days later in, on, on the 4th of November. Four days later you've got a test match. Three days later yeah. you got French barbarians. Four days later you've got another test match. Yeah, it's uh yeah, there's there's no gap at all, is there? there's no no time for recuperation during that. And 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 and
2: 20, and for twenty-six players. Now these people these players today, guys, are, mm. are bitching and moaning that they got too much rugby. Mm. I mean and these and, and, and in those days there we 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 had to hold down a job too, and, and half that mm. team that went across were self-employed, and mm. what the union were paying us was minuscule compared to the losses that these players were making, mm. or what they were sacrificing back mm. home, and mm. and and that's why you know you you can't you can't make a comparison between what happened back then and and to the current day sort of a setup that they have, and and I mm. think it's it's um one of those sort of yeah, mm. It really does gripe me that I hear a lot of the stuff now that they've got too much rugby when what Paul has just said, mm. it, it was just so loaded <laughs> that mm. you know, you, and, and in those days there, you, you didn't have a time, um, didn't have time to kind of like uh, recoup or, or mm. um, because the next game was also loaded with other French players and the next game was with mm. old French players. And so you're, mm. you're, you're continually um, and that's mm. why I think in that, that last test match against uh, the French, I think everybody was just knackered because it had been yeah. a really, really ugly year with the Cavaliers coming back yeah. um, and, and, and all the stress and stuff like that. So, I, I mean, to only lose one game um, on that French tour um, and, and under the, those circumstances, I think it was a credit to those um, to those players there and, and uh, uh, yeah. especially led by Jock Hobbs.
1: Now, talking about that tour, and something that personally affected you. Uh, you were interviewed by Ron Polanski. Yes. Uh, and, and you were asked a question comparing Fran and Grant Fox. And then a, a story appeared back in New Zealand where you were quoted as saying you would prefer to play with Fran rather than Grant Fox, who was your roommate on that tour. And that uh, story that appeared had an effect on your relationship during your playing days and Foxy's playing days while they, while they overlapped. So now in public, on this podcast and and broadcast, I want to give you this opportunity. What would you like to say to Foxy about that article? Uh, What would you like to clear up?
2: The the, the first thing is, is, um, I just like to kind of go through the, the the interview how it all happened. I'm just sitting there in the cafe, and um, the reporter sits down there, and then he starts asking some questions and stuff like that. And then he says, um, um, "I'd like to ask you a question about um, the first five on so, um, who are you you know who you would um, um, prefer to play with." And I said, "Is this off the record?" And he goes, "Yes, it is." And next thing you know, he I, he said. So who would be your first five of preference to play with? And I said, if it's a test match um, sort of environment where you needed to have um, a control, you needed somebody there to um, control the game and put the, put the, the, the team in the right position under test match intensity, it was Grant Fox every day of the week and twice on Sunday. And then I said, but however, it's a barbarian sort of game and it's open and, 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 you, know, you wanted somebody, I'd have botica. Mm. Well, next thing you know, um, the, cause, cause in those days there, when they, they reported it, it went back to New Zealand. We didn't know, um, what was written back there in, in New Zealand. So I, I have no idea if somebody back in New Zealand had phoned up Grant to say, Oh, this is what reported, which, which it wasn't. And, and I, I, um, and I never got a chance to talk with Foxy because during that game in the, the, the Cote de Basque, um, they ended up, um, he ended up puncturing the lung. And so he had to go to hospital. And he didn't actually rejoin the tour until um, the, the non-test. And um, so we never really got it. And he was my roommate, Foxy. Brother. Yeah. And up until then, I, th- I thought, you know, we were pretty good friends. You know, we were, we were talking and stuff like that. However, I think after that, Um, Somebody may have um, kind of mentioned to him when he got back and, um, and and all I said, you know, I'd just like Foxy to know that Mm -hmm. what was reported was not what was said and, and Mm -hmm. if it affected um, how you felt towards me, I Mm -hmm. I, I can only apologize, but that Mm -hmm. is not what I said. And, and, and that's why after that, I felt really Mm -hmm. um, compelled not to, to do too many interviews after that there with um, reporters because um, you, uh, you know, to, to say it's off the record and then it goes on the record and, and it affects certain people's relationships, mm. um, I, I, I'm sorry, I I I I can't condone that sort of behaviour. Mm.
1: That's quite understandable, of course. Quite understandable. Um, so we, I've got a a, a bunch of names that I I would like to run through and and I'm going to ask you basically to treat them like word association just to yep. tell me the first thing that comes uh, to your mind. doesn't need to be a long detail, just the first thing that comes to your mind when I mention these names. Yep. But um, before we do that, uh, there's one question that I'd like to ask you. When you think of your career, people that yep. you played with, yes, or maybe against, but I'm thinking specifically people that you played with, who did you say during practice or whenever, who, who would you say that, as as they performed, you went, how did he do that? Where they just blew you away as a rugby player. I'll give you an example. Um, we interviewed Warren Brosnian, and he mentioned Brian Habana would do things in practice and in the game where he just would be like, his jaw would just drop at the sheer athleticism of Brian Habana. Who, did anybody do that for you while you were playing?
2: Uh, Buck Shelford. Really? I mean, the, the, the Buck, Buck Shelford um, was not only an, an amazing athlete um, as a player. I mean, the, the 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 way that he the way that he um, personified himself on the pitch, he was larger than life, and 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 you know, if, if anybody needed to kind of like be at the at the at the coalface and and, mm-hmm. and and lead the team or or have to do mm-hmm. something, I mean, I've seen pictures of him, just like Colin Meads is another one too, um, where you can run with the ball in one hand and swap people, and and you know, mm-hmm. it, it, and the way that um Buck Shelford um could could actually um you know make some amazing big tackles and and yeah, just the way that he led the team. Just by his mm. sheer presence on the field, um, I, yeah. I've got to say, and he was such a professional at training too. You know, he, he you know, he'd like to joke around and have 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 fun mm. and and stuff like that there. But but when it came to rugby, and yeah. and more so Moldy dim as well, um, mm. he 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 actually changed the, the the face of the haka to the point mm. where it ain't a joke anymore, boys. You either want to do it or you don't. Mm. And the way he led it and everybody got them behind it and they, they made sure that when they did the haka mm. it was like buck yeah you know, mm. the 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 basketball player says i want to be like mike well i would like to have been like buck you know and 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 he like buck he i want to be oh yeah i want to be like buck not mike buck. nice and 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 he was you know a lot of the players would would uh, walk over broken glass for the for for for, for buck just for the sort of person that he was and, and, and the the sort of mana that he bestowed. Even though you went to Māori, a lot of these guys here would have said. And for him to be, you know, for Sinzan Brook, if you compare to you um, compared to Buck Shelford, okay, he does a drop goal in, in the, the the World Cup and stuff, play like it there in 95, but mm. you, you can't make the comparison between Buck mm. and. Mm. It's just like saying Michael Jordan and. Mm. Um, Bryant, Kobe Bryant. Yeah, you know, mm. it's the same as saying Buck and Zinzan mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and 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 that's 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 my comparison. He he was he was amazing. Um, and those sort of players only come around once in a lifetime, and I think the other guy before the other gentleman before him was mm. Sir Sir Colin Meads.
1: Five years <laughs> of your life, yeah. but you get to pull on the black jersey. Yep. And get in your full powers. You get to run on and play a test. Yeah. One more time. Yeah. What are you? So Who'd be going to, You, the opponents that
2: you choose. Okay. I would love to put on the jersey, play against the Springboks at yes. either the Loftus Veld or Alice Park. Okay, but it's going to cost you five years. But my wildest, I don't care. you take. it. I, I, if I, I, I would take that in the month of Sundays because, as I said, you know, that, that's how much I uh, mm. am in awe of, of, of the springboks.
1: You know, I was going to, if you'd said no, I was going to say, I was going to offer you to lead the haka, right, <laughs> which as, as a model you could, right? Yes. Um And if you didn't take that bait, I was going to offer you a season like one full season of test matches, like one full year, so you get, say, 14 tests. But it didn't cost either of those. This is what I was going to offer. Just one test against the Springboks on the high field, because both of those are on the high field, and you give up five years of your life. Thank you for giving your time to us. Thank you for showing just how much that black jersey means to a New Zealand rugby player, to any New Zealander who grew up listening on the uh, Transistor Radio to uh, Sir Colin Meads Play and uh, the boys back in 1970. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your memories. That's Dean my Kenny, pleasure. We, we appreciate it. Thank you. That's my pleasure. Yeah,
0: to like the Facebook page, uh, and, or, and if you prefer to listen rather than watch, then subscribe to the podcast. Just search for New Zealand Sport Radio. We're on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, ACAST, all those best catch. Podcasting place places also we have an added extra if you head over to drivingmall.com we have a word association game where john gives names and dean bounces back the first word that springs to mind so that's a special extra folks head over to drivingmall.com i'll put the link down below for that thank you dean kenny thank you very much everybody cool fact